Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's uh, let's dive in to the Word of God. That story had nothing to do with anything. Just to let you know. So don't don't try to make a correlation from this story into the message. We're going to mentally shift gears now into the Word of God. So last week was Mother's Day, and we got to uh, look at the book of Ruth last week. We uh, dove in and looked at Ruth's character and who Ruth was, and we could have spent a lot of time, we could have spent multiple weeks looking at the book of Ruth here, but I tried to summarize it in one quick it was like an 80 or 90 minute message, and uh, you guys hung in there last Sunday, and I appreciate that. Well, this Sunday, we're going to jump back to the people of God in Exodus 19. We started this series several weeks ago, roughly about three weeks ago. We looked at how God's people are His people, and we're kind of examining who are God's people. We hear this phrase, and we see this phrase throughout Scripture. And three weeks ago, we looked at his people are truly his. He owns his people. Two weeks ago, we looked at how God's people are called to obedience. We're called to be obedient because we are his, and we have this special relationship with him called a covenant relationship. Well, this week, we're going to turn our attention back to Exodus 19, and I'd like to remind us of the circumstances that were taking place in Exodus 19. Anytime I preach from the Word, I think it's good for us to understand what was taking place at the time. What was happening at the time that these words are spoken? So in Exodus chapter 19, I I just want to kind of catch us up real quick. So God called Abraham, this is back in Genesis, and he called Abraham and he said, Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless you and your offspring. And then the rest of the book of Genesis records Abraham's offsprings. And his offsprings end up down in Egypt. And they end up in slavery for about 400 years. And then God calls a man by the name of Moses. And God says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. And I'm going to do a mighty work. And we're going to bring my people out of Egypt. Exodus 19 is about three months after God's people have been out of Egypt. So God's people, they were in slavery, they had crossed the Red Sea, they saw all these miracles, and now God's speaking to Moses here to to let him know who his people are. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus 19, starting in verse 3. And I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning to honor God's word. And we will have the words up there. But we're looking at Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. It says this, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to thee, Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Let us pray. Father, as we look to your word today, 
Father, I ask that you would come and that you would minister to us through your Holy Spirit. Father, that, that you would come and encourage us and challenge us this morning through your word. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. This morning, I wanted to focus on a couple of aspects within this scripture. And if you remember from several weeks ago, we kind of picked up part of it on how his people are going to be his people. But then God talks about this, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant. And we kind of stopped there two weeks ago. But this week, I want to pick up on those next words. So there is a progression going on here within this scripture verse. He calls them to be his own. And he calls them to this covenant, obedient relationship. And then I want to pick up on verse 5, on the next words for today. In verse 5, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be to me my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine. Like I said, God had just rescued these people out of 400 years of slavery. He went down into Egypt and he rescued them out of there. And God says, if my people will walk in this manner, you will be his treasured possession among all people. It's interesting that the Lord uses these words here. The words, treasured possession. Out of everything that the Lord could have said to Moses here, he says, I want you to go and I want you to tell my people who they are. And this isn't the only place, you guys probably know this, this isn't the only place where God uses this terminology, treasured possession. Deuteronomy 7.6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, Deuteronomy 14.2, For you are a people holy to the Lord, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, Deuteronomy 26.18, The Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession. As he has promised you, and that you are to keep his commandments. This morning, church, I want you to think about those words today. The words treasured possession. This is who God calls his people. It's interesting that God would give this label to his people at this time. You guys may or may not know this, but while the the Israelites' people were down in Egypt. Scholars and many have believed that they were a pagan people, that they were living in the culture of the Egyptians at the time. Now, some have kind of argued, well, maybe that wasn't true. Maybe they still had a sense of just Abraham through the elders of the church. But God comes and he rescues this group of people. And he says, you're going to be my people. And I'm going to have this relationship with you. And I'm going to call you treasured. God gives them this label of being a treasured people. 
And I think it's really important for us to think on these words today because, guys, we live in a time where we have labels everywhere. People in this world love to label other people. Maybe you have been a labeler at some point. I'm not saying that you did that today. But within our culture, within 2021 that, that, that we live in, and you turn on the news, everybody has a label for somebody else. Nazis, that word gets thrown around a lot lately. Racist, transphobic, homophobic, everybody is a phobic of some sort. Wokies, leftists, Trumpers, radicals, deplorables, insurrectionists. There is labels everywhere you look at in the world around us, and they want to put everybody into a label. You are this. And society tells you that. And guys, I I bring this up because I'm talking to the people of God this morning. The world has labels. But as we see within Scripture, God says something different than what the world says around us. It's important for us to understand this because many people struggle with labels. Maybe growing up, somebody gave you a label. Maybe somebody had a nickname for you that you didn't really appreciate and they gave you a label. And many of you are, are, can probably recall the label that could have been given to you at some point in time. Some of us put labels upon ourselves. I know I, growing up, me and the English language were not really friends. I wasn't a strong reader. I considered myself to be not very bright and pretty dumb. And I had a label that I put on myself. Well, Jeff, you're just, you're just not that smart. And sometimes people would, would confirm that label in my life. Remember my, my great high school guidance counselor telling me and my mom, oh, your kid isn't college material. Well, little did she know I wasn't going to Stanford, I was going to go to Northern. <laughs> I'm Northern material, let me just tell you that. But we live in a world that we have labels. And it's easy for believers, it's easy for us who belong to Christ to forget who we are. Because the world we live in is constantly giving labels and putting stuff on you and calling you this. If you don't agree here, you are this. And guys, this is true within all aspects of our society. But as we look to God's word, as we look to what he calls his people, he has something else to tell you. And today I want to remind you of who you are. Here in Exodus 19, he calls you a treasured people. You are his treasured possession. Now I could spend all day looking at other labels that God gives us, Child of God, friend of Jesus, justified, redeemed, a new creation, no longer condemned, set free, heir with Christ, a saint, one with Christ, sealed with him, God's workmanship, partners and takers in his promises, citizens of heaven, raised with Christ. The scripture speaks over and over on who God's people are. 
And we need to realize who we are. There's a story that comes out of the Gospel of Luke that I want to remind us a little bit more clearly on who you are and who God says you are and how God feels about you. God, what is your, what is your heart towards your people? Luke 15, if you've grown up in church, you've read this story. Luke 15, starting in verse 1, says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. That'd be Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. We've, we have read verses about these scribes and the religious people, but the religious people love the idea of labeling anybody that's not them. You're not a Jew, you're just, you're one of them. And here, the religious people label them. Look at Jesus. He's once again with the sinners and the tax collectors. Once again. And they make this label upon those people. You guys know how the story goes. Verse 3. Luke 15, verse 3. So he, Jesus, told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Verse 5. And when he, was, when he has found it, he lays on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be even more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous person who need no repentance. Jesus doesn't think he, he made it clear enough. He's got one more story for him. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus gives them some amazing imagery here, and there's actually a whole other story that Jesus talks right after this one. But he gives this, this like image that they would have completely have understood. Let's say someone's got 100 sheep and they lose one. What do they do? They go looking for it. They search for the lost sheep. And when they find it, they rejoice. And they tell everyone else that they are rejoicing for the sheep that was lost is now found. And what if you, what if you have 10 silver coins and you lose one of them? What are you going to do? Don't you sweep everywhere? Don't you look diligently until you find that coin? And when you find it, you rejoice? Have you ever lost a wallet? When I say lost a wallet, I set my wallet down in, in certain places, and then my wife puts it away. But I don't know where away is. So I lose my wallet often. But when you lose a wallet, maybe a cell phone, you could put anything in that you find to be valuable, and you lose it. What happens? 
like it sinks inside like my wallet. I got cards in there. You start thinking, how much cash did I have in the wallet? Because you sometimes like forget about that. But you start searching and you start looking and you start tearing apart bags and you start trying to think, what was I wearing last time? And you're checking pockets and you're ripping apart car seats and you're driving to church. That doesn't ever happen. But you're diligently looking for that lost wallet. And we all know how that feeling is. It's like, and then you think about like the pain it would be. Like, you got to go now to the Secretary of State. Nobody wants to be going there. You got to call up credit cards. Like, like it's literally just like, it's like this panic mode that takes place. And that's what Jesus is trying to get the people to understand. When you, when you lose something valuable, panic sets in, but then you search and you search, but when you find it, you rejoice. I will tell you this. This is because I lose my wallet quite often. And when I say lose it, once again, misplace it. Somebody else moves it. Um, not saying any names who could possibly move the wallet and put it where it belongs. But when I lose my wallet, this is something I've, I kind of picked up on. If I have any cash in there, I look at that as just like bonus money. I'm just like, I'm just like we got to celebrate. Thursday night after softball, I thought I'd lost my wallet. I drive to church with the family. I'm like in my office searching, looking for it diligently, right? And I'm like, where is it? And I come out to the car, and, and Caitlin goes like, what's going on? I said, I lost my wallet. She goes, it's right here. I said, what happened? She said, I picked it up, and I brought it into the car. I'm like, why didn't you tell me about this? I've been searching constantly. But I said, let's go and celebrate. Let's have some ice cream. I think it is a good celebration. But Jesus wants people to understand how valuable they are to the Creator. How treasured they are to the Creator. Look at verses 5 and 7 in Luke 15. He says, And when he found it, he lays on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, So if you think that is a big deal, let me tell you what happens in the heavenly places. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And he says the same thing again with me in verses 9 and 10. And she found it. She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. The Lord rejoices when men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ. That they become his treasured possession. Angels rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, pastor, that's when somebody first comes to Christ. I don't know if God truly feels that way about me today. Scripture teaches us that God doesn't change. Why is it so difficult for men and women who follow Christ to really grasp this concept? You are a treasured possession. 
It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of how good-looking you are or how, how freshly smelling you are today because it's Sunday and you finally showered. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's based on what Christ has done. But you are His treasured possession. If you are His people, you are treasured. You're valuable to Him. And this is a concept I feel like, church, we have to really understand in our hearts and our minds. We need to understand who we are. It's really easy to let the world tell us who we are. It's really easy for ourselves to tell us who we are. But as a believer in Christ, you're treasured. I want to jump back to Exodus here. The reason why is because the story continues in the book of Exodus. So like what I said, they were three months out of uh, Egypt. God speaks to Moses and says, listen, I want you to go and tell the people who they are. And the Lord starts to move in their presence. Exodus 19. We're going to read verses 16 through 20. It says, On the morning of the third day, There was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Verse 17. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. You can just visualize this. Like just this mountain and there's smoke and there's fire, and there's trumpets that are blaring, and somebody's probably asking, who's blowing that trumpet again? And it's loud, and there's thunder, and there's lightning. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Just visualize this. Thunder, lightning, smoke, fire, trumpets. And all the people in the camp trembled, it says. Moses goes down and brings Aaron up, and he tells the people, don't touch this mountain. Okay? But God is in their presence and in their midst. And then the Lord speaks the Ten Commandments. And you guys know Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Commandments. But look at what takes place right after this. The Ten Commandments get, get laid out to the people. Look at verse 18 and 20. Exodus 20, 18. It says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sounds of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear in him may, may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near in the thick darkness where God was. I was thinking in this moment, this would be a pretty intense moment. Let's just like be honest. Like go out to like a mountain, smoke, 
fire, the trumpets blaring, like God speaking through thunder and through lightning. It would be a very intense moment. But what happens to the people? Moses, I want, I want you to go. I don't, I'm not drawing near to this. And I'm wondering if anybody would have, could have stood up and said, hey, see that? You're his treasured possession. He just told us that. Why are you, why are you backing away from God? Why are you shrinking back when God just spoke to us who we were. And we see this throughout Scripture. God speaks, this is who my people are. This, these are my promises. This is what I will do. And throughout Scripture, time and time again, God's people are like, I don't think so. Think about when the 12 spies got sent in to the promised land. And they come back. And God, God, God already made a promise. He said, this is going to be your land. I will go before you. I will conquer this. They come back and 10 of them are like, no, we can't do it. Then finally two of them speak up. But guys, I bring this up because I see believers living like this today. Living and not realizing who they are. We let the world dictate our fear. Oh, I'm a little bit nervous about this and I'm scared of this. And we walk around like God's not on on the throne, and we're not his. Do we not realize who we are? And I'm not saying this for us to become prideful and like arrogant and walk around and be like, well, I don't know if you know this, you know. Kind of a big deal. It's a humbling factor that God chooses his people and he comes and he rescues them. And the New Testament's very, very clearly whoever puts their faith in Christ will never die, but will live forever. We will be his beloved. We will become his child of God. We become his heirs. We become his treasured possession. But so often people are walking around thinking, ah, am I really that? And I want to encourage you today, church, if you are here and if you believe in Christ and if he is your Lord and your Savior and you have accepted what he has done on the cross for your sins, you have a different relationship than the world does with the Creator. You become His. You become valuable. And you become treasured by Him. And I want us as believers to walk in that confidence. It's not an, like I said, it's not, a, it's not arrogance. It's saying, God, I'm just trusting who you say I am. That's it. God, you know I fall short. God, you know all of my ups and my downs. But God, I'm just going to trust and believe. If you call me this, I will believe it. Not only will I believe it, but I will walk in it. Whatever you call me to do, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. And it's just simply walking in obedience to our God. And I see so often, church, I see the limitations on what God could be doing within people's lives because they're not willing to just accept and embrace who God says they are. People just walk in fear all the time. All the time. And I think as a believer, what do you have to be afraid of? Death? Really? Like, like did we forget the promises? Like, did we forget that like 
like, like Paul literally says, I long to be with Christ. Guys, we need to walk in who God says we are. We need to walk boldly and, and trust that God will work, that God will move. And I'm telling you this, when believers walk like this, when you walk, you say, God, you know all of my shortcomings, and he does. You know everything about me, which he does. But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you today, tomorrow. And whatever you call me to do, I'll do. And guys, I'm telling you, you will see God move. You will see God work mightily in your life takes away the fear takes away the anxiety takes away all that stuff because you're not leaning on you you're leaning on the creator and i wanted to just encourage us today church and remind us today on who we are you are a treasured possession by god he treasures you he values you not because of anything you do but because of what he has done for you in Christ. And I would just say, church, we need to just live in that today. Live in that reality. It will transform your very mindset. It will transform how you think of yourself, how you think of other people. And it will help you to get rid of any label that the world wants to throw on you, any label you've put on yourself. And it will be like, God, I'm, I'm just simply yours. Then you watch God move. You watch God work, and you trust Him. And I wanted to just encourage us today, church family. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up to sing one more song for us today. But I want to pray for us today. Let us pray. Father, you call us your treasured possession. Father, I want our church, I want, I want us to be men and women who will live in that reality. God, help us to, to humbly walk with you. God, knowing that, that you did all the work, Father, we just come and we just put our faith and our hope in you today. Father, thank you for who you call us to be. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Encourage us now. In Christ's name, amen.